This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 130 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two champions, both of film and of Mustangs. Woohoo! This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings. How's Debbie Lauks today? Oh, I'm I'm fine. I'm good. I'm warmer than the rest of the country, so I'm doing okay. I'm not going to talk about the weather. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the weather. But oh, yeah, no, we're doing really good. We're having so much fun getting ready for a couple of events we have coming up. And so, but I want to brag on some events that we have that are not a part of us. And they are Janet Rose, who's going to be one of our guests today. And she's going to be talking about that Equus International Film Festival. And we were there, let's see, a year ago, September. It's a really cool thing. So I was glad to have her back on and talking about some of the things that are coming up. And then we have a newbie. There's somebody that I've never interviewed before who lives in our, kind of in our area, Central California area. And kind of grew up with a lot of her family members and everything too. And I was surprised to find out what she'd been up to. She'd been doing lots of good things and ended up at WAG and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we're going to hear from her and how she was involved in a Mustang makeover. You find in those Mustang makeover folks in every nook and cranny of America. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Because, you know, if, if we can demystify this whole Mustang uh, starting process and get people that are really good hands involved in that, you know, they've been Mustang makeovers their whole lives. A lot of these people, they've been working with Mustangs and, you know, now they're getting sort of recognized and there's, there's money in it and all kinds of good reasons for getting those horses back in circulation. So I'm really excited about that too. And boiler alert a little bit, we have at the, at the Equus International Film Festival, we have placed one of our videos in it, and we're one of the finalists. I don't know who won it yet because it hasn't happened. This is going to happen March 14 through 17, so it's coming up real tight here now in the Roxy Theater in Missoula, Montana. But we've got a finalist in the best of award categories in the best series, best training, and best film in Horse and Human Bond. Isn't that a cool category? That's neat. Yeah. So is there a big red carpet event? You get all dressed up? And- kind of, yeah. I mean, it's in Missoula, Montana. So you're in your dressiest Western, you know, <laughs> you wear your boots and your leather and your I was friends. Say, you, and- you wear your, you wear your cocktail dress and your cowboy boots. Exactly. And you look good too. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. I mean, this is this, uh, you're going to hear all from Janet about how this all got started, but it was all with the best of horses at heart. Not neat. Well, let's get right to our first guest and we're going to do that right after we hear from our title sponsor, the good folks at Omega Fields. Hi, Joe Camp here to share about Omega Fields. Omega Fields exists to help you keep your first promise to the horses you love, to care for them well. Nutrition is the foundation of a healthy life and supports all the activity that brings you and your horse so much joy. Omega-3s from flax are the cornerstone of that foundation. 
So, coupled with the finest ingredients and their proprietary pure glean flax stabilization process, they created Omega Horseshine, Omega Horseshine Complete, Omega Nibblers, Low Sugar and Starch, Omega Antioxidant, and Proventum Probiotic Soft Treats. Thousands of horses are experiencing a vibrant life with the help of Omega Fields products, including all of ours, a part of helping you keep your promise to your friends. Nutrition for a healthy life isn't just their slogan. It's their purpose. Montana horsewoman and television journalism veteran, Janet Rose is the founder of Horse Haven Montana, a nonprofit horse rescue and adoption center in the Paris of the American West, Missoula, Montana, home to the Equus International Film Festival. And she also founded that. She's a former executive director of International Wildlife Film Festivals and currently director of development and communications for Save the Chimps and a member of the Equine Experiential Education Association. What's so interesting is so many of the films this year really focus on what would be the mission, the idea that, you know, every horse deserves a chance. There are so many horses that need a chance, that adoption is a great alternative to slaughter, neglect, abuse, homelessness. And the films reflect that so much. You know, if you want to talk about a movement happening, as you have, Mm. I mean, there really does seem to be an awakening, if you will. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Does. Yeah. And what what is this awakening, do you think, just in our, our sort of horsey community? Or do you think this is awakening to a more public persona? I think it's I think it's global and I think people are looking for something and so many people, you know, just simply do not know. Well, here's an interesting thing. Stan Weaver at AQHA, when I met with him about something, he said, you know, we're getting so so many calls from people who say, I don't have a horse. I've never had a horse, mm. but I'd love to be involved with horses and I don't know where to start. Wow. And he said, you know, those are the people that we want to reach. And I thought, wow, there's a huge message in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's global. I think part of it is there is a lot of uncertainty in the world. And so then people look for something and they hear about, you know, I mean, you could never have had several equine film festivals. I mean, yeah, you know, 10 years ago, it was unheard of. Right. So, you know, and the number of films being made, so that brings more things, you know, just like happened with wildlife mm-hmm. and wildlife filmmaking. Yeah. Now I think horses are the next thing because people are looking for something deeper, more spiritual to connect to and, you know, it may or may not be religion, but there's something about the horse. There is. You know? What is that? You have been around horses so long and have been around the industry also so long. You're a Montana horsewoman and <laughs> a veteran of journalism. And what is it? Can you do you have a sentence to describe to that person who says, What is it about horses that that you guys like what so is much? It about horses? You know, horses, I think, oh, you know, I had given somebody a quote that, I'll see if I can remember this. It was for an an exhibition about the horse. Mm -hmm. And I said, horses bring out the best in us. They inspire us to be what we wish we could be Mm -hmm. or what we hope to be. But, you know, horses have historically throughout human existence, 
had a spiritual, a physical, a visual, an emotional. They've offered us a connection with all of those things that few other entities, beings, you know, we can talk about love, but love is a very esoteric, amorphous thing. Mm -hmm. But the horse is a physical being that connects us spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, in every way. You know, we look at a picture of a horse. We look at an image of a horse running. We read stories about horses. We now watch films about horses. We look at horses through the ages, through history. And they've run through humanity Mm -hmm. for millennia. Mm -hmm. And they just seem to, when we are open to it, they seem to inspire something in us. I've had a conversation so many times with so many different people. There are so many individuals who have never had that, quote, horse experience. And so there are many that don't get it. They don't feel it. But the minute you put a person next to a horse, Mm -hmm. something happens. So capturing what that something is, is kind of like the $64,000 question. (laughs) But anyway, you know, back to your original question or Mm -hmm. idea, you know, I think we have a spiritual and an emotional and a physical connection with horses. And when we're open to it or we recognize it or we have an opportunity to experience it, then many, many other things happen and we open ourselves to a very different world. Mm. Well said. And I, you know, I guess it's one of those things that people will just have to experience to actually understand (laughs) that mouthful. Because I love that you've created the Equus International Film Festival for actually to demonstrate that at least on film for what you're talking about, that you you have a mission statement, I guess we could call it that, the, the Equus International Film Festival strives to promote understanding of the unique relationship between horse and human, to enhance the equine-human bond, and to improve the welfare and well-being of the horse. And you welcome partners and friends from around the world. That, that about says it. Well, you know, I'm going to announce to you our, our new we'll call it tagline. Every organization needs a tagline. You know, a a number of us were sitting around and just talking and talking and talking. Sometimes you look for the most, you know, complicated and complicated sentences. But then I realized it's just inspiring the horse-human bond. That's it. That is really the essence of it, inspiring the horse-human bond. But I also have to say to you, especially, um, because it's so important. You know, the the kind of motto that Monty has, mm-hmm. violence is never right. the answer. That just keeps resonating in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that violence is never the end. I mean, it's something we're so aware of in society today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 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 it reflects itself so much in our relationship with the horse. Mm-hmm. And when Monty says violence is never the answer, it just resonates across you know, with children, with husbands and wives, with our interactions, with even with other countries, you know, and with animals. I mean, there is a movement going on 
to really think more deeply, passionately, and actively about our relationship with animals. Mm -hmm. You know, even if for people who eat them, who hunt them, who use them, who work Mm -hmm. with them, or Mm -hmm. simply those who care for them, there is still this movement Mm -hmm. towards the concept that violence is not the answer. And I think that's so important. And the films just simply more and more, hopefully, inspire that, reflect that, awaken that in people. They do. They do. The ones that I've seen, certainly. So tell us a little bit about what people will see. So I should announce here, in case somebody doesn't know what we're talking about with the Equus International Film Festival, go to the website, equusinternationalfilmfestival.com. And the dates right now are March 14 to 17, 2019 in Missoula, Montana. So before anything gets done, I want to make sure we got all that information out. But tell us a little bit about what people will see when they go to Missoula and and Uh, become involved. People, yes. Well, first of all, I mean, Missoula is such a charming Mm. city, um, small, small city. And Outside Magazine once called it the Paris, I thought this might be a little extreme, but they called it the Paris of the West. And it's certainly it's working adorable. its way towards yeah. that. Yeah. A yeah. lot of cafes and restaurants. It's very horse centric. Yes. It's very outdoors oriented. We'll be in a historic theater for the film screenings, but we will also be in some other venues around Missoula for the film screenings. We'll be taking participants out to the ranch and resort at the Paws Up, which is one of the most, as you know, one of the most breathtaking. I mean, it's a five-star resort. But one thing you, I don't think you saw when you were here, we're taking people to a place called the Wilderness Outpost. And I call it sort of the zenith rising in the forest. Mm. It is a combination... Well, it's impossible to describe, but they're doing a welcome party for us there. Oh, fine. And then on the last day, on Sunday, we're taking them to the Pause Up Arena, which is one of the most breathtaking arenas I've ever seen. They've adopted a number of Mustangs, wild, mm-hmm. formerly wild Mustangs, through the Mustang Heritage Foundation. So people will have a chance to... See the Blackfoot Valley, beautiful valley, almost the most beautiful valley in all the world, made mm-hmm. famous by the river runs through it. Right. And they'll see this beautiful ranch meets the horses. We're also taking people out to a closer-in arena where a wonderful man, Jeff Patterson, founded Herd to Human. Mm-hmm. He works with people who have suffered from PTSD. Uh-huh. He works with veterans. He works with individuals. It's a relatively small but really phenomenal program, just working with individuals through horses, as Monty does very extensively. The films, you will definitely need tissues. You will laugh hysterically. I, I don't know that in all the film festivals that we've had, I think this is our fifth, I don't know that I've seen such wonderful so many wonderful films. It was really hard for the judges oh. to select the films for screening. But I can tell you today that some of the big awards will probably, the films that are in the running for some of the big awards mm-hmm. are Don't Shoot the Zebra Pony, yeah. Cobra, yes. Their Last Ride, 
a horse, a convict, a chance for change, the last ride, ride it out, riding with disabilities, and the movement. There are, of course, yep, (laughs) there are many other films. I mean, the films, you know, the the programs that Maddie, uh, Mustang Maddie does. Mustang Mustang Maddie, Maddie, like Monty, but she's, you know, a young woman. She's a millennial, yeah. (laughs) She does magic, but there's such a message. But also, you know, Marsha Hartford Sapp. I mean, the work that she did with Cobra and where Cobra has gone. So the the international message is so important. The adoption message Mm -hmm. is so important. The the three strikes you're out, but there's always, you know, but three times a charm. Yeah. You know, the message and, and Monty's work with Diego. So we have Monty's work with Diego. We have Mustang Maddie with Amira and we have Marsha's work with Cobra. There is a huge, huge message through those individuals, Mm -hmm. but also through those films. And that's, what's so great that the, there's a thread running through it. We're not showing films just, to entertain and yes entertainment is a part of it but that's not the purpose and that's what I think is so inspiring to me to see that we can reach people all over the world through film with critical messages and we can save horses because of that and we can save people that's it you're you're saving them not if and so tell us, I actually have an earlier episode with Janet, so people can look back through the, the archives too, but they might not know that the reason to be, the whole reason you started, or one of the reasons you started the film festival, was as in support of a animal welfare angle that you have at this. Please tell us about your rescue. Absolutely, because you know, a number of years ago, I told my husband, I said, I never want to do a film festival again because <laughs> I had run a wildlife these. film festival yeah. for many years. And I said, but it's a wonderful way to help raise awareness and drive support for Horse Haven, Montana. We have stayed pretty much under the radar. I don't need to be, you know, one of these, and I don't want to be one of these big rescue organizations, which they have their place. But we do rescue, adoption, and education through Horse Haven, Montana. I kind of say adoption is a great alternative to slaughter, as well as neglect, youth, and homelessness. So, but it's hard to raise support for that. And of course, as we all know, horses are very expensive to support and keep, you know, especially a lot of the horses that are coming in from neglect and abuse or who've been homeless, they have special veterinary needs, they have special barrier needs, they have special feed needs. And while so many people are generous, they say, you know, I'd like to donate hay, but then they say, you have to come get it 500 miles away. (laughs) So it's very expensive to, number one, maintain these animals. We're not a sanctuary. That's very important to stress. But we we put a lot of miles on the the vehicles and a lot of miles on the bodies, the human bodies, to go and visit the sites where the horses may be adopted, to pick them up, to meet with people, to check them out, to check their references. And as you know, everything is so expensive. I mean, the internet and email and websites to, to announce the horses that are for adoption and to assess them and do training. 
So I saw that more and more films were being made, and what we really needed to do was educate and raise awareness and give people opportunities to understand what's the next step. Mm -hmm. And that may be better care of their horses, new resources, new health information, as well as to promote adoption. So many people have called me to inquire about adoption, and they've said, oh, you know, I had no idea you had such great horses. And we have horses that range every age, every background. Some have health issues. Some have none at all. Some are old. Some are young. Some have training needs. Some don't need any training at all. We work very closely with the U.S. Forest Service, and now we're beginning to work more and more with Border Patrol, U.S. Border Mm -hmm. Patrol. In fact, they've reached out to us and said, you know, if you have horses and they listed their criteria, we would love to adopt through you with the Forest Service, and they'll be one of the presenters during the film festival, as well as the Humane Society to talk about equine welfare programs. But the Forest Service still has an extensive horse and mule program. They take them into the backcountry, they pack with them, they clear trails, they fight fires. I mean, they do so many things with through their equine program. But when they retire them, in the past, they were taking them, usually they would take them to the auction, and many of them were older and arthritic, and they would probably go to the canners. Mm. But those are gems. They are gem horses because they've been through so much training. They have had so many experiences. And so when people learn that we have them for adoption, which is not often, but occasional, and they're looking for a bomb-proof horse Mm -hmm. as much as a horse can be, they're wonderful. So we have one who is going into a retirement home with people who are retired very soon. And he, before he was retired, he was doing 22 miles a day. Wow! Now he can live the life of uh, relaxation and luxury, light riding. But we have everything. I mean, right now we have about five or six horses immediately for adoption. Some are trail horses, some are arena horses, some are performance horses, some are kids horses. You know, so I tell people, if we don't have it today, next week, unfortunately, there is always another horse needing a new home. But I also want to stress, you know, we're not putting, we're not just, you call us up and you know, we have a horse. We're very, very, very picky okay. about the right horse to the right person to the right situation. We don't want to put them into a situation that they may have come out of or that's not right for them. Yeah. You know, so if a person, um, you know, we're not going to put them into an outfitting situation, as an example. Mm-hmm. The outfitting is wonderful, right. but, but it's not. a lot of hard work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not so, that stage of life. So the, yeah. So, so no. what, what's the typical person that comes to you and finds you and says, I'd like to, do they have a 12 year old girl who, you know, wants to get her first horse or is this somebody who is retiring maybe, and they just want some light riding to go on, or maybe they just want to be able to say that horse in that pasture is mine for the rest of his life. And he gets to just languish as he should. All of the above. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> all of, absolutely all of the above. And I've met the most wonderful people through this because they they really, they range in age. They range in need, wish, desire. Some want a fast, energetic, endurance trail horse. Mm-hmm. Others want just to 
groom and be around a horse. But it's interesting that you met, mentioned a child and their first horse because we are going to very soon launch a new award in honor of the first pony that we took into Horse Haven and adopted out. Her name was Angel, and she was a spotted pony, so it will be the Angel Awards. Mm. And um, a mom who had had horses and was very experienced, she was in New Mexico, and she contacted us. She saw the picture of Angel, and she said, you know, my little girl has always dreamt of a spotted pony, and there she is. Mm. And her name was Angel. Uh, but these were people who had experience, time, resources, and we had a transporter who lived here in Mon- lives here in Montana. He had video in his cab to watch the horse, mm. and he, they wanted to get the horse if they could before Christmas. But of course, throughout the West, you know, snowstorms. Anyway, he said, "I'll get her there in time." And he took his time. He picked her up. He watched her on the video monitor. And he got her there before Christmas, and her name was Angel, and she was the spotted pony. And she was one of the first horses that we worked with through this. So it was a wonderful story, and we've heard from them, and the horse was doing great. And the little girl loved that pony. So so that is, I think this this is kind of a new model of fundraising, Mm -hmm. if you will, but... So through the support of the film festival, although I have to say at this point, it's <laughs> a lot of personal resources I'm going sure. into it. I bet it's your heart and yeah, soul and resources, too. Yeah. It is heart and soul. Do you have some yes. sponsors? Who, who should we thank for helping out? Is there anybody that is helping oh, you? Oh, we do. Mm-hmm. We have the Humane Society. We have Beamer. It's a wonderful, interesting thing for horses and people. We have William Reidig, an attorney here in Montana, who has been just the greatest horse advocate and supporter from day one. And he's also a great equine attorney. We have the Mustang Heritage Foundation. They've been absolutely wonderful to us. We have the Good Food Store, um, very, very generous. And of course, the Paws Up, Nadine Lipson and her husband, Dave, have really been you know, just phenomenal to us. They don't have to. They have <laughs> more more guests than they know what to do with, but they've been very generous and they've been involved with horses for a very long time. And then friends, Cynthia and Steve Erickson, they have an animal welfare foundation and they've been very supportive also from day one. They're not here in Montana, but they're here part-time. So, but we definitely welcome more sponsors and because number one, they'll get global visibility and number two, that really, you know, if you're, if you're into equine welfare and well-being and you love horses and you love people and you believe in the mission, we try to return the favor um, and it really helps us tremendously. Well said, well said. Well, and you know, if they're listening to this show, then they, they should be that passionate about horses. That's what we, we're trying to achieve here, that's for sure. We want to keep horses in people's lives. And this is just another way that it's happening. And Janet, we're so proud of you and so pleased that you are willing to put the energy. And this is this is not exactly your day job either. This is your full-time other job. job no. <laughs> um, but I'm so grateful to you, Debbie. I mean, uh, you've done 
you and Monty have done so much for us as well. I mean, when you came, people were so excited. It was and such um, a cool thing to it's do. It's just been wonderful to connect with you. It's been so much fun. And it isn't over. This is so fun. This is your annual, annual Equine in Equus International Film Festival. And uh, I want people to support it and at least plug in on the internet and and look into Horse Haven and see what you can do to spread the word over social media to help adopt these horses out and get them recycled back into repurposed into life <laughs> with a 12 year old girl who loves them or that, uh, that couple that just wants to put them in a pasture in front of them. I love all of them that they <laughs> embrace horses. So thanks Janet so much for joining us Thank too. You. I know you got to run. You're off to, where are you off to today? You're going to an I'm off to Bozeman today for the Montana world affairs council and presentation by a former ambassador on the middle East. Look at you. You're amazing. You're amazing. I so hope you will come again and have you back when you've got some excitement to tell us about the, uh, and we're going to be sharing this on social media too, so that we can rah-rah Diego and hope Diego gets a little recognition. It's a lot of recognition Uh, already. I I appreciate you. Diego is quite the horse. Wow. He's amazing. Uh, He packs a lot into that little Mustang body. (laughs) He does, as Mustangs do. They're amazing. Yeah. All right, Janet. Janet Rose, thank you so much for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Cavallo Horse and Rider, Carol and Greg Giles, too, have been longtime supporters of the Horsemanship Radio, and we thought, you know what better way to show how their support goes than through the people who buy their boots? So we have this from Brenna Eldridge on a Facebook post. I could not be happier with my decision to transition my horse to barefoot and choosing Cavallo for his hoof protection. I always thought my horse just had bad feet and that he would always be lame barefoot until I realized that I was enabling that dependency. By allowing his feet to adapt back to the way that they were naturally intended, his feet have become strong and he now seems perfectly comfortable barefoot. With the added weight of a rider on rough terrain, I invested in my first pair of Cavallo boots. I went with the Trek boots, and they fit him perfectly. I was able to do anything that I could do in metal shoes, and I have no longer stress over him losing a metal shoe and damaging his hoof when removed. The Cavallo boots have provided him greater shock absorbencies when riding on hard ground, and so far, whether it be on trails or in the arena, he seems extremely comfortable in his boots. I do a variety of riding, including trails, gaming, and drill, and I'm excited to get into the gaming season to put truly those boots to test. I believe that in horsemanship, you have to pick methods that make the most sense to you. And for me, that is the naturality of barefoot and the protection of the Cavallo boots. Brenna. Katie DeGrande began her journey with horses at the age of five. She graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in 2008 with a Bachelor's of Science in Animal Science. Shortly after graduation, she officially started her own horse training business, heavily influenced by today's modern horsemanship principles. In 2009, Katie successfully trained and showed a wild Mustang in an extreme Mustang makeover competition. Her efforts earned her the title of Western State's Extreme Mustang Makeover Champion, and Katie has a passion for helping people learn about horses and good horsemanship, too. Well, welcome, Katie Negrani. I'm so glad to have you on Horsemanship Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. 
I am excited to have you. We've never met, and I know you live pretty close by, and you have some parallels in your background that I wanted to explore a little bit. Mostly, I want to talk about good horsemanship today, and I think that's your mission as well. Am I right? That is is very much so, yes. Yeah. So I, I read some things on your website. People should go visit you and see some of the things that you've blogged and, and talked about. But one thing that caught my eye in finding Katie, well, the Negrandi name actually is caught my eye too, because you guys have a long history of, of horsemanship and Central Coast outdoor activities and a lot of things that you've done over the years. So you began your journey at age of five, we read in your bio. So tell me about your horsey background a little bit before we get into your training. Well, you know, as a kid, I was kind of the only one into horses. You know, my my oldest sister got a horse. I think she was like in high school and that kind of phased out. And my dad had a horse for a while and then he kind of phased out and I'm really the only one that stuck with it. So I got my first horse when I was eight. And I actually still have that horse. She's 38 oh. years old this year. Oh, my gosh. And that horse, like, she she made my career. And and she did that, you know, not only because, you know, she was given to us. She was a, a originally a polo horse from Argentina. Wow. And a, a lady that my mom worked with had a bunch of polo horses that she was looking to retire. And so I pretty much got to go out and just pick whatever color I wanted. Oh. <laughs> So I picked the pretty red one and took her home, and that horse taught me a lot. You know, looking back, I would never recommend doing some of the things that I did. <laughs> and, you know, but that horse that horse is the reason I went down the rabbit hole of horsemanship, learning how to do things better, because that horse threw a lot of curveballs at me. You Did know? You? And, 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 oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Smart one, And huh? then, you know, later on, so probably the last, you know, she's been retired. I retired her when she was 33 from giving lessons to little kids. Wow. So she taught hundreds of little kids how to ride. And yeah. she was such a saint, you know, the last like 10, 15 years that I was using her. She, I mean, she is just such a blessing. So okay. it's really cool to still have her around. Mm-hmm. And let's see, you know, yeah, from so- there... So what did, what are some of the curveballs that she would throw at you that you think made you a, a better horseman? Well, the first thing was I had a hard time getting her down to the arena. Where I kept her, it was a housing development in Orchid. And it was, you know, I think there was 40 to 50 houses and, you know, several people had horses on their property. And there was these, like, little bridal trails that you can go down and there's a community arena. Well, I'd get probably 100 feet from the property, and my horse would spin around, and she'd run home. And you're eight. So a lot of times, I'd end up just riding in the backyard because I didn't know how to get her down there, you know, without leading her down there. And then when we did get down there, it was kind of a mess. And, you know, the only time she was really good was when I had other people riding with me. So that was kind of the first hurdle was figuring out how to do that. So I'm really good at that now. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. (laughs) That's a big... You know, that that was a big life lesson right there. You know, the the next thing was, you know, I'm not a very brave rider. I'm not a very, like, naturally confident, go get them, you know, adventure-seeking sort of a rider. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people I rode with, would they did a lot of jumping. So, okay. of course, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to jump. So I've probably experienced more refusals of going over <laughs> jumps than anybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> 
Very good. So now I've gotten really good at that. <laughs> yeah. And now um, note listeners that she said she's not very brave and she is the Mustang makeover winner. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt a little bit, but it sounds like this uh, little polo pony maybe taught you a little bit about balance up there. You don't want to come off. Yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, I, I showed a lot as a kid, you know, I didn't have a fancy horse. We didn't have a lot of money. So it was, I went to every local show I could go to and I showed English and Western and trail and what else did I do? I tried running barrels for a while, but that, that, that wasn't really my speed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as a kid, you know, I, you couldn't keep me away from it. it. I just kept trying this and trying this and trying this. And I found a lot of you know, a lot of things that I like doing and a lot of things I wanted to learn more about. And that horse, like that horse just went wherever I wanted to go. You know, she might have been awesome. <laughs> difficult at times, but she taught yeah, me Yeah. And I bet you're going to learn that she affected a lot of other kids as they grow up too. They'll probably come back to you and say, your lessons and, and that horse were, you know, amazing uh, oh, experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'm no, sure. She was, she was an amazing, she's an amazing animal and it's really cool to still have her around. You know, she's 38 this year, and I have a, a little weanling colt that she advises. You know, she yeah. turned out with him, and <laughs> she's the grandma. And it's just cool. such a cool, you know, circle of, of yes. life kind of thing. Yeah. So. so tell us, how do you get from there to winning the Western States Extreme Mustang Makeover Championship? So, let's see. So I went to Cal Poly, and mm-hmm. I graduated in 2008 with a bachelor's in animal science. And I had a job getting coming out of school. You know, I worked part-time for a couple different places and one of them was a vet. And it was something that I was looking to do full-time, but they weren't offering full-time. So there wasn't really anything, there wasn't really a chance to grow with that. And okay. some people in the neighborhood that I grew up in, they said, well, if you want to quit that job, I got a horse you can ride. And, you know, two or three different people had that, hey, I got a horse you can ride. Oh, you can teach my kids some lessons. And, you know, that's kind of the start of it. So in the fall of 2008, um, you know, I basically officially started my my entrepreneurship in the horse training and giving. Yeah, training. Um, Mm -hmm. So in 2009, I was offered, um, you know, a spot to do the Mustang makeover. And I had never done one. I'd only ever worked with one other Mustang and so I was like, well, I'll find out, you know? So I picked her up, I think in March and you had a hundred days to do as much as you can with them before you um, went and competed on them. And this mare, when I picked her up, she was a, she's big and she was big stout four-year-old mare Mm. and get her home. And I mean, she acts like any other horse, you know, by the third day I was able to start riding her. And again, I'm not brave. Like this was right. uneventful, uneventful stuff with her, you know, huh. going through a little bit of groundwork. She was responsive. She wasn't worried about me. I could saddle her. She didn't buck, you know, so where I was, where I kept her at, the guy said, I think you can ride her. So uh. he ponied me around and kind of got me on her. And I mean, it was just, it was the craziest thing. Yeah. So now, was she, really, was that, she that adopted like, okay. Yeah. I was, yeah. Let's not worry people that that that's the, the way it works yeah. every time <laughs> but no, um, was she yeah. adopted off a, a herd was it a blm mustang or so it's, a, it's a blm sort of project mustang okay. heritage foundation put oh on. right perfect yeah. okay and so you are assigned a horse so 
So I didn't get to pick the horse. I drove up to uh, Susanville up there to pick her up. And you just drive up, you back your trailer up, and they they load the horse that you were drawn. Um, yeah, stock trailer probably just herd her yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you kind of treat them, you kind of have to treat them like cattle in the beginning. Yeah, sure. Um, They're wild. And she just ended up being like probably the, the best possible horse to do one of those competitions with because she mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, she was just, she was good minded and she was quiet and, you know, it, it like couldn't have been any better. So yeah. I attribute my success to her because she was just, she was perfect for it. So I got, I, I had a pretty good head start, you know, compared to a lot of people that got, you know, kind of the more typical Mustangs that take time to gentle down. And, um, you know, so I had almost three months of riding on mine. And Pretty cool. And so do you do the, the competition is like a wrap up a show off kind of thing in the arena at Western States. Uh, is that yeah, how so you judge? Yeah. There was different parts. So kind of like the preliminary part was, you know, like a ground, not really ground work, but um, like ground manners, conditioning, you know, presenting your horse, making sure it loads in the trailer, does obstacles just on the ground, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of a hand, basic handling sort of class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the ridden class where they have a pattern that you had to do and a few obstacles. Okay. And then they took the top 10 for that. And the interesting thing for that was I didn't make the top 10. What? I was number 11. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know if there was ties between people, but I was oh. the last name in there and there ended up being 11 people in the finals. And I, I oh. don't know how that happened because I, <laughs> I thought I did pretty good. <laughs> So there ended up being 11 in the finals and for the finals, it was a four minute freestyle. So Uh they had things that you had to complete. I think you had to walk trot canter both directions and stop and back up and, you know, kind of like a basic reining pattern sort of maneuvers, but you know, not to that level. Mm -hmm. And then you could basically incorporate your style, your tricks, if you had any to do that. And Mm -hmm. did you? Did you have any tricks? I didn't have anything planned. Like I, (laughs) you know, because if you plan something that tends, you know, if you try to stick too much to a plan, horses will make a liar out of you. That's right. (laughs) And so I had had to fall in love with that plan. Yeah. The the one thing I remember her being good at was she wasn't really scared of a whole lot. So I took this giant tarp and I drug a giant tarp in on her and I ended up like throwing it over her head. I could stand up on her. Like it wasn't anything fancy, but she could, you know, do the basic maneuvers. She could do a little bit of lateral work. She like, she just was like broke enough to where somebody could get on and actually do stuff Mm -hmm. like have her be a normal horse kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where a lot of people would make these big extravagant, you know, kind of performances of tricks and stuff. And I wasn't really good at tricks at the time. So I just kind of did what I could do and it paid off. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like it worked. Yeah, because you had yeah. her. So there was uh, shifting gears just a little bit. It sounds so cool, and I encourage people listen to Katie. I mean, she she didn't set out in her career to to get into a Mustang makeover, but have some fun and have an opportunity. Take advantage of it if you know if you're inclined to do something like that. Do it. I think yeah. so, right, Katie. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And it was kind of something you know you don't know until you try something. Right. It's you know, it was a really good opportunity for me, you know, to learn and to be able to compete and be able to kind of get myself out there 
you know, for where I was 10 years ago, you know, it's not right. the same place I am now, but right. to be able to just kind of get my foot in the door a little bit more and kind of get, you know, I got a lot of recognition for that and I got, yeah. you know, kind of helped boost my business, you know, for, for several That's years. Right. You never know what, yeah. where it's going to develop and, and take you and give you something to be more interested in by tomorrow. Yeah. I, I, I loved uh, your site and people should go on there, katiendegrani.com and uh, we'll have We'll have your link in the website in our in our show notes. So this this little spot that I read made me want to ask you this. So I'm going to read a little bit of what you said. Is I began my quest of breaking down why my horse spooked day after day after day at the same crap. <laughs> Long story short, you say it was stress. When I went back and started him over like a young colt, I found so many holes in what I thought was my broke horse, pretty humbling to say the least. And I think I see this a lot, Katie, and maybe you can you can tell us what your experience has been. But I think people get a lot of times, they get their horse to a point where they think, well, I got him going the way I want him going and I'm happy and I'm going out and doing my rides like I want. And and then there's always this little fussy, fussy part of life. And you think, why can't he get over that? And when you really break it down, a lot of times you just didn't train that horse fully in certain areas. So yeah, is this exactly. an example of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So like my a lot of the horses I've end up, ended up collecting are the ones that nobody else wants. They're yeah. usually the dangerous ones, the ones that just don't make the cut. They're too difficult to handle, et cetera, things like that. And working with those horses has kind of developed into more, I guess it's my specialty of working with problem horses. Mm-hmm. And working with problem horses, it's not about trying to fix a problem. You know, you're just going back and you're restarting these horses, filling in the holes. Mm-hmm. And it, a big part of a lot of the holes in these horses is, you know, for one, it's kind of a lack of understanding for their psychology and how they learn. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, trying to push a horse through something. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily getting to the root of what the problem is. You know, right. most horses are willing to try their guts out if they understand and they're comfortable with what you're asking them to do. Well said. So a lot of times if we if we try to rush through stuff to get to a certain point, we skip the horse understanding what it is that he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And it builds that insecurity, that lack of confidence, you know, and then a buildup of emotions, depending on the horse, you know, fear, anxiety, aggression are all symptoms of, right. of the greater cause. Mm-hmm. So with my own horses, especially, you know, the more I learn, the more I come back to the basics. So on, yeah. on the horse, I think you're referring to, you know, he, I rode him for quite a number of years not so much focused in the the horsemanship stuff that I do now. It was more like discipline specific and it was, you know, get them, get them done so you can go get them shown. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of things that I missed and it Mm -hmm. became, it, it came to a point where I really couldn't do anything with him Mm -hmm. because he was so nervous and so worried about everything I was asking him to do. And when I just stopped and went, what am I doing? And Mm -hmm. I started him over like I do everything else, I went, oh my gosh, I missed all of these little signs, all of these little pieces. And I went back through and just have been kind of slowly putting those back together. And now I have a horse I can use again. Now I have yeah. a horse that's happy to do a job. 
he gets you. Yeah, he gets what you're asking. And yeah, yeah, it's a great life lesson. And I think people should really think about that if they have some issues with their horses and or talk to their trainers about that, too. The other thing I like that I wanted for me, it's it makes a lot of sense is you said horses thrive on structure, discipline and compassion that they receive within the herd environment horses with horses. And a lack of stability creates uproar and chaos until it's sorted out. Now, that's a great statement. What does sorted out look like? And if you don't believe me, put a new horse in an existing herd and watch what happens. It's not <laughs> not all roses and butterflies. And I think everybody, yeah, everybody probably giggles at that. But, you know, we know what you mean. And the horses are held to a standard where everyone has a place in the herd. They learn rules and boundaries to create a peaceful environment. I love that. And how how do you use that for people who maybe want to maybe a little bit spoil their horse or they're not really black and white every single day with their horse? What problems do you see when horses don't have that structure? Oh, like every problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it is a big it is a big part of a lot of it. And you know, for the horses, you know, all my personal horses and some client horses that are okay with it, I put them all in together. You know, sometimes I separate mares and geldings if the geldings act kind of, you know, studly. But horses learning how to behave like horses in a horse environment, in a herd environment, are much easier to train because they already understand a lot of, you know, if you look at a a herd of horses, they're responsive to each other and the environment is relaxed. So, and that's exactly what we're trying to create, or at least what I'm trying to create, you know, having my horses is I want that responsiveness to me where I don't really like to call it like a respect thing because um, I think respect can be misused, but to to have the rapport with the horses to where, you know, they see you as a leader without being afraid of you right. or without feeling the need to, I mean, I don't really know how a good way to put that, but other than... I think you put it well. Balance, no, I, I mm-hmm, a partnership. Yeah. So it's, you know, originally early on in my, my learning, it was, you know, get the horse to respect you. And a lot of that turns into kind of wanting to dominate a horse. Fear. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the more, you know, especially the, the more complex some of the horses got, you know, behavioral wise, you can't dominate some of these. Like yes. that doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> you, you know, you, you have to go back and, you know, Hey, we're going to work together. Let's work together on this stuff. All right. And, yeah. you know, and watching a herd of horses, it has taught me a lot. Because you see right. that they get in there and they create that, you know, that pecking order, that social structure, and then mm-hmm. it's peaceful. And they just, they're Very friends good. and they scratch on each other and they, you know, it, it just creates, you know, that homeostatic sort of environment. And that's what I aim for. So that's what I'm kind of constantly trying to evolve in, in my mm-hmm. skills. Love it. I wish, I wish everybody looked at their horses that way. I think that's amazing that rather than trying to force our thinking and our physiology and everything on the horse to work with the horse and observe what a horse is like and don't be a predator around a horse. Yeah. And, and yeah. that brings me to, to the last point too, that I, I snatched off your website that I liked and it's horsemanship is about the human and learning how to work with the horse in a way that creates that balance and stability that horses crave. So I hear, you know, I hear a, a balanced, more peaceful relationship in that, like you said, calm. But so it seems like whipping the horse wouldn't help in this scenario, right? Well, 
So something interesting that I've been kind of studying lately is, um, you know, understanding that horses don't have a developed frontal lobe of their brain. Mm-hmm. So in people, that's the part of the brain responsible for complex thinking and learning and long-term planning, premeditated actions. And then my favorite, you know, one is being able to do the right thing, even if it's the harder thing. Right. So if you think about horses don't have the developed part of the brain that we do responsible for that. Punishment doesn't work because they didn't premeditate their actions. They are responding, reacting based on what they feel they need to do in the moment. So getting tougher on a horse, you know, sometimes it helps, but it usually only scares the horse or gets them to just submit more so than create understanding. Is yeah. that, I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, makes total sense. I totally agree with you. Most people haven't thought all the way through it. You're very college college educated. I'm, <laughs> I'm really <laughs> glad you know about frontal lobes and stuff. Yeah, it's so true. You know, there's that three-second rule that the horse, if you try to, you know, get after a horse you know, five minutes later, he has no idea what you're thinking or talking about or trying to do. And even and, if you get get in there within that three seconds, yeah. it's punishment. It, I mean, I've, yeah, I haven't exactly. found too many cases where punishment actually works. Worked anyway. But exactly. if you can set up something, or let's say a horse tends to want to bite, um, you know, okay. you set yourself up so that horse can't bite you, you know, so you keep them at a certain distance. And then right. you find the reasons why they're wanting to bite you and get rid of the cause of the behavior rather than trying to fix the behavior itself. Yahoo. That is awesome. Make yeah. the hard thing, make it hard to do the wrong thing and easier to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that old Ray Hunt saying, make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. Right. It's because it's the way their brain works, and it's so effective, but it's the hardest thing for people to do because it's very counterintuitive to what we're good at. Yeah. Oh, well said, Katie. So it's very much like we have to learn how to think differently to get along with these horses. Yes. And so a lot of people get in trouble, and I get in trouble, you know, you still get in trouble when you're, you know, when you act like a human and you don't go, oh, I need to change gears and figure out how to act like a horse. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, we all get frustrated and lose our patience sometimes, but isn't that the fun part of processing with a horse, learning with a horse? And I think that's where we get our advantages of working with horses is that they do teach us these things. Yeah. Yeah. Like frustration, getting frustrated is your first key of, I need to step back and I need to learn how to do this. I need to learn how to do this better. But frustration to me is kind of exciting when I hit a frustrated spot with a horse because I'm about to learn something Yeah. if I keep going. Yes, exactly. And don't give up. Katie, this has been wonderful. I know you've got to go off and teach a lesson too, and I don't want to keep you too long, but I think we could talk about this like for another two hours. (laughs) I got to have you back. This will be really fun. This Um, is fun. Yeah, I look forward to uh, getting to meet you sometime, too, since we're so close in the area. And uh, it'd be really fun to have you at Flags Up Farms. And I hope I get to see, yeah, some of the training you do, too. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks very much for joining us on Horsemanship Radio, Katie. Thank you. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, 
Do you have any thoughts about handlers or riders that are plus-sized? Monty's answer. For about the last 30 years of my life, I have been plus-sized. In my opinion, it is critical for the large rider to be very careful about the fit of their saddle and the quality of the padding under the saddle. It is important for heavy people to understand that frequent rest periods are necessary if you're on a trail ride or an extended session of any kind. About 20 minutes is as long as a rider of more than 200 pounds ought to be on their horse's back without a break. The type of horse one chooses is also important. The plus size rider would be well advised to spend their time on the backs of horses that are built suitably for heavy weights. A strong quarter horse or warm blood with a short muscular back is far better suited to handle the weight than, for instance, an Arab that might have a long narrow back. However, it would be unfair to single out particular breeds with regard to suitability, while one must realize that some breeds are typically stronger or more capable of carrying heavy weights than others, it would be quite possible to find an Arab with a very short and extremely strong back. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. March 1 through 3, it's happening like right now when you're listening to this, is the Prep and Introductory Exams Module 4 at the MRILC at the school in Solvang, California. Then March 4 through 6, we'll have the same spot join up course. And then March 7 through 9, we have a long lining course. And then we go over to Equitana where Monty is in Germany, March 9 through 17. Then April 29, we have my heart's delight, the movement at Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California. That's on a Monday and a Tuesday. Then May 25, we have another night of inspiration at Flag is Up Farms. These have been really popular and they're a lot of fun. And then July 22 through 26, we have a Monty special training in Portuguese. Well, Monty will speak English, but the translation will be in Portuguese for our Brazilian friends. And then July 29 through August 2nd, we have a Monty special training in California. Different horses, different subjects, but Monty will be there as well. And then August 5th through 16, we have our famous now Gentling Wild Horses course in Solvang, California. Now, if you could not commit all of that to memory, which you probably couldn't because you're probably cleaning a stall or commuting to work right now, you can find all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com, or you can give them a call on the phone, 805-688-6288, and that's where you're going to find all the information and so much more of all the goings on. Every time I turn around, it gets busier and busier at Flag is Up Farms. <laughs> it is. It's true. We're trying to fill in all those gaps, you know, what, sitting around doing nothing doesn't uh, lend to any fun for us. Now, let's say somebody is 
they're on a business trip and they go to California and they're not yeah. too awfully far from Flag is Up Farms mm-hmm. and they've got an extra day till they get their flight. Can they call Flag is Up Farms at 805-688-6288 and make an appointment and come and just see Flag is Up Farm? Even better than that. They don't have to call. If they want to call and set up a private tour or something like that, they certainly can. But we have a button on a kiosk outside the gate, and it says visitors welcome. And seven days a week, nine to five, come, push the button, and do it. Just come see us. It's so much fun. People wander around. On the weekends, we don't even have anybody in the office. So it's a self-guided tour. And we have little maps and things so people can kind of see around. It's a lot of fun. So people come on business trips, but they also come in wine tasting trips or trips to our Danish little village called Solvang or trips to our Danish and and slash Western Maverick Saloon, San Inez Valley. You know, some people come for the Shumash Indian Casino. There's a ton to do. So put that on your itinerary the mm-hmm. next time you are in that part of California to go visit Flags Up Farms. A lot of fun. I've been there. Yeah. yeah, you sure have. Yeah. And go out of your way to come there. It's a lot of fun. People always say, I didn't know. And it's so much fun. And I and it's closer than I thought and all those things. So yeah, yeah it's a lovely visit. drive to get there. If you're, yeah, we took the coast road up when we went up. It's lovely. That's right. You did. Yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so. There you go. So that, that's that's my public service message for the day. That's yeah, a good PSA. It's a good <laughs> one. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com and look for episode number 130. You can also find on that page pictures and links and information about today's topics and guests. And we say it every episode, we love your feedback. It helps us come up with great ideas and great guests to do on the show. You can follow Monty on Facebook. Just type in there, Monty Roberts. Click, like, and follow the one that has a little blue check mark next to it because that's the official Monty Roberts page. And Monty is also on Twitter. If you like to live your life 150 characters at a time, it's Monty underscore Roberts. And he is also Monty underscore Roberts on Instagram. So there, yep. get the get the app. Don't miss any shows. Go to your app store. Download it today. Just look for Horse Radio Network. It's free. And you can do it that for your Android or your iPhone. Shoo. Shoo. You can, it's harder to read than it is just to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing is, too, on Amazon.com, if you went Horsemanship Radio swag, we got it there. Just <gasps> Oh, that's right. Horsemanship Radio and Amazon. And uh, there's a gal, Susan, who is just really creative and clever, and she's put stuff up there with, like, pop sockets and t-shirts. The Evolution of Horsemanship t-shirt is awesome. Isn't that fun? My favorite. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Well, you know, show your stuff. Tell tell people what you know about horses. So, And many thanks to our sponsors, too. That would be Omega Fields, Cavallo Horse and Rider, and Monty Roberts University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network. I do at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.